When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Identical twin brothers Tim and Todd Nicholson were born with Hollywood good looks and matching trust funds. The world was their oyster. They knew they were going to come into money. From the time they were teens, they shared fast cars and even faster women, as only identical twins can. Nobody could tell them apart. Nobody would ever know if it was Tim or Todd. They start to realize we can really have some fun with this. But the tightness of their bond was matched only by the intensity of their rivalry. They fought all the time over anything at the drop of a hat. And it was only a matter of time before one pushed the other too far. If you play Russian roulette long enough, somebody's going to get hurt. When twins compete with no rules, there can only be one winner. And he's saying, I killed him. I killed my brother. They were born with a fatal flaw. And that flaw was, they were twins. Los Angeles, California. It's the global capital of glitz and glamour. We think of California as a land of dreams where people go to, it's what's at the end of the Yellow Brick Road. But beneath its glossy veneer, Hollywood has seen some of the strangest crimes in American history. That's where you have Charles Manson. That's where you have the Black Dahlia. The crimes committed in Los Angeles almost have a script-like quality about them. It's almost like someone's trying out a screenplay, only it goes horribly wrong. But not many Hollywood crimes involve identical twins, except for the very strange case of Tim and Todd Nicholson. 
The Nicholson case was a classic Hollywood crime. It had liquor, it had guns, it had money, and best of all, it had twins. It's 6.26 p.m. on a cool night in Temple City, a suburb of Los Angeles. Temple City at the time, 40 years ago, was a nice suburban area. For the most part, it was very middle class. Even in sunny California, night falls early this time of year. And not long after sunset, the sheriff's dispatcher receives a frantic call. The local sheriff's station received a report of uh, shots fired and requested an ambulance. It doesn't take long for officers to arrive at the scene. When the deputies arrive, they're met by a well-dressed young man who escorts them into apartment one. They saw that the apartment was very high-end. It would strike anyone that they were looking at money. As the young man calmly walks into the kitchen and pours himself a glass of vodka, Officers slowly enter the bedroom, where they make a shocking discovery. To their astonishment, they see the same young man lying on the bed, dead, with a bullet wound to his heart. And they don't know if they're seeing double or what. The body was fully clothed. There was a towel beneath its head, and there was blood on the towel. He was bleeding from the nose and the mouth. Officers approached the young man in the kitchen. What happened? And they said, what happened? He said, that's my twin. I shot him. One of the wealthy Nicholson twins had shot and killed the other in cold blood. How did these twins go from trust funds to tragedy? Much of Chicago society was surprised when wealthy Ted Nicholson married Roberta Willis. Ted Nicholson was heir to the Pullman fortune. The Pullmans were uh, industrialists, meat packers, famous for the railroad car. So there was lots of money. His wife, Roberta, came from slightly different stock. Roberta Wills was a uh, Michigan farmer's daughter. She could drink like a fish and curse like a truck driver. Roberta was very guttural in, in her manner of communication, and people were surprised when he married her. And soon after, Roberta gave birth to not one, but two heirs. Identical twin brothers, Tim and Todd Nicholson. From the start, the twins were inseparable. The twins created, as twins sometimes do, their own world. Tim said he recollected that many times, especially as very little kids, he would wake up and he'd find himself in Todd's bed. They'd be holding hands, they'd be pressed together. They were that close together. They were as one person. While many twins look alike, Tim and Todd were particularly identical. They were so identical that nobody could tell them apart, even their parents. Roberta saw them as one person. She found it just too much trouble to try to tell her own two sons apart. Tim Todd. She referred to them only as Tim Todd, to which one or the other or both could answer. Their father, Ted, had his own difficulties with the twins. 
Ted doesn't win any nominations for Father of the Year. He's not a, a nurturing man. I don't think he liked children in general. Ted Nicholson, the dad, was not father material at all. He found twins creepy. In fact, Ted had little patience for married life in general. He soon sought out new adventure and less responsibility. They moved to Los Angeles because Ted fancied himself as a Hollywood producer. He wanted to get into movies, and he had the money to do that. Ted tucks Roberta and the twins into a hillside home, and he moves into a bachelor pad in Hollywood and calls himself a film producer. And it wasn't long before Ted Nicholson finally checked out. Ted Nicholson decides finally to call it quits. That's it, the marriage is over. Ted moves to Costa Rica. Roberta's left with Tim and Todd, Tim Todd. How many times have I told the both of you, don't leave your stuff lying around the house? Bitter about the end of her marriage and the betrayal of her husband, Roberta turned her anger towards the two most convenient targets. She felt she'd been betrayed and she took out her frustration on Tim and Todd. No, you're going to listen to me. You're going to listen to me, too. Remember that what happens from parents to their children is the foundation for the development of those kids. If you have a shaky foundation, meaning that parents abandon, leave, blame you, beat you, um, do outrageous things in front of you, are not nurturing to you, that later leads to a very shaky structure in adulthood. And perhaps in response to her anger, Tim Todd truly became their mother's sons. The twins picked up their mom's habit of swearing like a sailor. I'm gonna kill you! They're seven-year-old boys, and they have terrible mouths. They're a bad influence on all the kids in the neighborhood. Roberta's hearing it time and again from the neighbors. You've got to do something about the boys. They're almost impossible for Roberta to handle. In school, these twins played endless pranks. They would fight with each other so much, cause so much of a disruption, that eventually teachers tried separating them and putting them, putting them in different classes. But that didn't work either because they were obsessed with getting back together. So they would purposefully get themselves kicked out of class so they could go and peek in the window at the other twins' classroom and cause a disruption that way. They're kicked out. And their behavior soon went from bad to worse. Don't you dare throw that at me! Roberta was finding it impossible to deal with them. The school was finding it impossible to deal with them. The twins thought and acted as one, whether they were in different rooms or not. They just didn't get what it was like to be social. Their world was, uh, Tim's world was Tim and Todd. Todd's world was Tim and Todd. At just the tender age of seven, the twins were kicked out of public school. This is particularly bad behavior. Seven-year-olds are rarely expelled from school. Roberta took a drastic step to get her twins in line. So in an attempt to teach her twins to behave, she sends them to military school, where things don't improve very much. They're still little hellions, to the point where their fellow students called them TNT, meaning they're both Tim and Todd and dynamite. Tim and Todd were totally volatile. The least thing would set them off. They'd get into furious fights with each other. But then 
instantly they'd uh, make up and it was as if it never happened. The boys enjoyed their nickname and their notoriety. The more hardcore punishment they were given and rules and regulations, the harder they firmed up against it working together. Tim and Tom had a concrete bond, you know, it was them against the world. In the summer of 1950, the twins' lives would change forever. They were toddlers. When they last saw their father, he just sort of appears. He'd been in the jungles of Costa Rica all this time. He shows up and he says, Roberta, I'd like to take the boys to Chicago. What I want to do is set up a trust for them for their education. Ted promises the kids will be back in school in a few days. But what Ted says and what Ted actually does are two very different things. Ted had no intention taking the twins to Chicago. He was going to take the twins to Costa Rica. Essentially kidnapped by their own father and taken deep in the jungles of Costa Rica, the twins would get their first tastes of booze, sex, and money. The eight-year-old boy grabs a bottle of gin, takes a full swallow. And these vices would quickly turn these two troublemaking boys into men, before eventually destroying them both. Identical twins, Tim and Todd Nicholson, have grown up in a world of trust funds and trouble. Tim and Todd and Nicholson were just always rivals, right from the mother's womb. They'd have furious arguments, and then they'd always come back together and reconcile. Their wayward father has suddenly re-entered their lives, and he's determined to teach his twin boys how to be men, even if it destroys both. Costa Rica must have been like an exotic playground for the twins. They loved it. You know, they were running around, they were in the middle of the rainforest. It was wild, and they really enjoyed it. Tim and Todd had always been ridiculed by classmates for their identical looks. But in Costa Rica, they went from freaks to celebrities. To Costa Ricans, twins were a sign of fertility, so there was these beautiful little American boys they thought were, you know, unearthly, and they... They thought they were really amazing. Here, they suddenly were valued and looked at as something special. They felt special, maybe for the first time in their lives. Though their father was proud to have his sons to show off, he still couldn't tell them apart. The father would give them shirts with their first names embroidered on the shirts so he could tell them apart. And he left the parenting to others. They have their own tutor, they have their own chauffeur, they have their own babysitter. And the tutor happens to be a beautiful German woman. And the twins, as boys will do, take turns watching her undress. Ted was determined to make his boys men worthy of his name. He looked at Todd and said, well, I think you're old enough. Have a drink. And poor Todd could hardly take it. 
So Tim said, I'll, I'll drink it. And Tim drank it. And Tim was delighted that he could drink this alcohol where Todd couldn't physically do it. So that was another, you know, feather in his cap and another advantage over his brother. That's my boy. And their father taught them that there was more to being a man than booze alone. Now he had many, many girlfriends, and Tim and Sod saw this succession of women with their father, and this was something they would want to emulate. With no other children around, the twins grew to depend on each other exclusively and completely. It was the Tim Todd world, the world that they could create, the world they wanted, the world they shared. They were comfortable. In fact, Tim later said that they didn't argue much when they were in Costa Rica. They got along pretty well. There was nothing to fight about. But their golden life in the tropics wouldn't last long. Someone was about to pull the plug. But it all comes to a screeching halt when mom appears on the scene. Roberta is the biggest buzzkill of all time. She arrives, it's just awful. The yelling begins again, the shouting begins again. Roberta yanks them and back they go to the state. No longer twin kings of the jungle, Tim and Todd would soon find real trouble and face real consequences. One day, Todd was attacked by a bigger boy and in the middle of the fight, Tim grabbed a broken bottle and slashed the attacker on the thigh. And he was bleeding badly. When law enforcement arrived, you have two kids who look identical. I'm not sure even the victim himself could say which one held the bottle and cut me. So you have law enforcement essentially unable to act because you cannot identify who committed the crime. It turns out, being a twin can be quite an advantage. The children couldn't tell them apart, so no charges were ever pressed. The twins thought they got away with it. They were incredibly pleased that it brought them even closer. Tim and Todd have learned how to use their uniqueness as twins to escape responsibility for things that they do, sometimes egregious things that they do. Just the very act of slicing somebody's leg with a broken bottle, I mean, that's an extreme behavior. But just as Tim and Todd were coming into their own as twins, their mother's life was spiraling out of control. Roberta was drinking very, very heavily, and she was taking all her grudges out on Tim and Todd. She was slapping them around. Roberta really was not cut out for motherhood, and especially the challenge of twins. Her skills to cope with twins were just inadequate to the situation. And. When she was with the twins, it was to shout them, aberrate them. She'd call them little bastards. She'd accuse them of ruining her life. She even had a rifle she put down, and she'd point it at the twins and say, one day I'm going to kill you. As Roberta drowned her sorrows in booze, her boys found ways to keep themselves busy. The twins started playing Monopoly, intense games in Monopoly, and they loved one-upmanship and buying hotels. They saw themselves as property owners, and to them, it was far more than a game. I mean, it was really life. Who's gonna be the best? Who's gonna be on top? Who's gonna win the game? They were always had to beat the other. I mean, their life was a com competition to outdo the other one, always. It always had to be. Competition would become the defining feature of their lives and drive one of them to an early grave. 
As they became teenagers, a new sort of rivalry emerges. With puberty, Tim and Todd find a whole new thing to be competitive over. And they have a competition who can be the first to lose his virginity. Well, Tim wins. And when Todd hears about this, he grabs a, the head of a lawn sprinkler and starts beating his brother over the head with it. Now, Roberta comes in as this is going on and stops the fight by smashing a china cup over Todd's head. Wow, this is dysfunction on top of dysfunction here at this point. The twins were always quick to anger, but true to form, they were even quicker to cool off. After the fight and they made up, Tim uh, suggested that Todd poses him and uh, go with his girl to lose his virginity. And Todd was all too willing to, so he did. Afterwards, they told the girl what they'd done, that she'd actually been with Todd and not Tim, but the girl refused to believe them. It seemed nothing could stop the Nicholson twins when they worked together. This sexual switcheroo was just the first of many to come. Well, this was a big lesson, you know, when the girl refused to believe that it had been Todd and not Tim, they could do anything they wanted now, playing each other's parts. But it would soon lead to deadly consequences. Todd pulls this loaded gun. He's pointing it at Tim. Tim's holding his breath. It's never been this serious between them before. He's scared to death. 
I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Identical twins Tim and Todd Nicholson were born with good looks and plenty of money. And now teenagers, the twins have grown to be the envy of their high school. They were both good-looking young men, sort of very smart, very fashionable. They cut quite an image when they walked together. Though their life looks lavish, it's a house of cards that's about to come tumbling down. Shortly before their 18th birthday, the lives of Tim and Todd would change forever. In 1960, Ted Nicholson passes away. He was a hard-drinking man, 41 years old, he dies of liver failure. Father Ted looked kindly upon his twin boys in his will. Ted left the twins $500,000 apiece, which uh, today's terms would be several million dollars. They're to collect when they turn 21, or sooner if they get married. With surefire wealth their birthright, the boys see little use for high school. Tim and Todd decided that really they weren't getting anything out of their education anymore. They were actually pretty astute businessmen, even for as young as they were. They decided that they were gonna start to lead a more adult, more of a playboy lifestyle, the same lifestyle they'd observed their father having. For Tim and Todd, the world was their oyster. I mean, they knew whether they had their hands on it yet or not. They knew they were going to come into money. A lot of it. Like their late father, the twins were in possession of an insatiable sexual appetite. Only these boys could do things their father could never have imagined. Well, I think the thing with the twins found when they shared the same woman, that it increased their bond, and it was almost like a, and a fetish for them. It's a great narcissism on their part. It's a self-centered way of viewing the world the same way their father viewed his world. Women are objects of pleasure and satisfaction. They can be used and manipulated. And all the while, the clock is ticking. It is still three years until their 21st birthday when they can claim their inheritance. But Tim and Todd are impatient. They didn't necessarily want to wait till they were 21 to collect on that. They decided, well, you know what? If we get married, we can do it. So the, the race, once again, the race is on between the brothers to get married. And they decided they would date divorcees. Tim and Todd are good-looking young men, but they're very emotionally immature. If they had been more mature and, and better nurtured, they probably would have been dating Hollywood starlets and they, they would have been in the society pages. But as it is, they seem to do best with divorcees with small children who are looking for financial security. The twins needed to be married to get their inheritance, 
and divorcees with children needed their money. It was a perfect match. Todd told his twin brother Tim that he'd been having an affair with this divorced nurse called Patricia, who was a beautiful, beautiful statuesque brunette, and he was singing her praises, saying how good she was in bed. So Todd says to Tim, you know what? This woman is absolutely spectacular in bed, and you know, brother, you really need to give her a try. Pretend to be me. Share and share alike. And share they do. But with the Nicholson twins, nothing is ever simple. She, unlike some of the women before her, notices a difference. She notices a big difference, and she likes it. She thinks, whoa, this guy, this has got to be Tim then, and he's so much better than Todd in bed. This is not good for the brothers. They, this, is, this is just going to cause war. Tim informed Todd that he was now engaged to Patricia, and they were soon going to be married. Shortly after the marriage, uh, Todd again? drops a bombshell. Two days ago, she was with me. What? And Todd suddenly told him, well, actually, I'm still sleeping with Patricia. And Tim refused to believe him at first, but when he confronted Patricia, she just said, well, you're both the same, and didn't feel that there was any difference between them anyway. The marriage is annulled before Tim can claim his inheritance. Meanwhile, Todd makes his own play for the money. Todd can't be left out, so he has to get married too. So he finds a divorcee of his own named Sherry. And uh, eventually, although both tied the knot, they didn't tie it very tightly. Todd's marriage quickly falls apart. Todd's marriage to Sherry was also annulled, so the twins were now moving back together in one line. With the inheritance still out of their grasp, the rivalry is back where it started. Women like Patricia and Sherry were just collateral damage in the Nicholson twins' struggle for dominance. There's a rivalry going on, the same rivalry as when they were children, only now it's over women. If one has something, the other doesn't, that's going to have to be torn down. Because just like punishment during a fight, it has to be equal before you can stop. But Tim and Todd would never know when to stop, ever. Three years later, the twins awake to a morning of brilliant sunshine. It's a million-dollar day in so many ways. Finally, the twins turn 21, they get their money, and they go into business. The twins eventually inherit the money from their father, and they can turn the Monopoly game into real life now. They have an umbrella company for both of them, but they each have their own endeavors so they can keep score. There's no point in being in business unless they can compete with one another. But Tim and Todd have very different ideas of what to do with the money. Well, Tim invested his money in Los Angeles, buying buildings in various areas. Todd moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and he bought a building there. Todd can't seem to separate business from his libido. He buys an office building in Phoenix, Arizona, good idea, but then he rents out office space to call girls, a bad idea. And when it comes to sex, one thing always leads to another. Todd's venture in Phoenix with the prostitutes and the apartment building 
led him to start thinking along other lines. How about a mail order sex toy business? It's an out of the box idea for the early 1960s. Todd's idea for the instant party doll was really what we'd know as just sort of an inflatable sex toy, a blow up, life size, real doll with whom you could have relations. He felt he, they, they could make millions on this. At the same time that Todd was in Phoenix with his mail order venture, Tim was in the San Gabriel Valley in Temple City. He too had bought an apartment building, it was the Baldwin Arms, and he was installed there. But he was really pursuing this gold mine in Nicaragua. That was the venture that he was most interested in. For the first time in their young lives, the twins were apart, but it wouldn't last long. Todd is in trouble with his inflatable doll business. So he calls Tim and asks for help. Must've been a very difficult call for him to make. It's like a concession of failure. Tim flies out to Phoenix with his new girlfriend, Anita, in tow. When they get to Todd's apartment house, Todd's not home. So Tim pretends he's Todd and talks the super into giving him a key. Todd gets home. He discovers not just Tim in his apartment, but a woman unknown to him in his bed. As always, sibling rivalry takes over. Todd flies off the handle at the sight of Tim with a naked woman in his apartment. He explodes in rage. He is so angry. He's calling Anita every name in the book. He's screaming at Tim. And then Todd ups the ante. Todd pulls this loaded gun. He's pointing it at Tim. Do not shoot. Don't shoot. Tim's holding his breath. It's never been this serious between them before. He's scared to death. He doesn't know what Todd's going to do. Identical twins Tim and Todd Nicholson had always been inseparable and volatile. Now their unique relationship has been pushed over the edge. When Todd comes in and you know finds a naked blonde woman in his bed, he, he goes berserk, he goes crazy. Tim finds himself staring Whoa. down the barrel no, of Todd's loaded shoot. gun. Do not shoot. Don't He's shoot. in a full rage. Todd points the weapon at he actually pulls the trigger, but the gun jams. He's still so angry, he takes the gun, he starts to pistol whip Tim. He's screaming at Anita, he's screaming at Tim, he throws Anita and Tim out of the apartment. Though bloodied and battered, Tim and Todd remain just as quick to cool off as they are to anger. The next morning, when they got up, they had a business meeting and both twins turned up as if nothing had happened and seemed as friendly as ever. Even this, trying to shoot Tim. Tim and Todd put their differences behind them and they're back to being Tim Todd, the brothers. Despite their similitude in all other aspects of life, it turns out the twins aren't identical when it comes to business. As Tim's gold mine continues to boom, Todd's instant party girl finally goes bust. In Todd's efforts to keep things equal, he keeps falling further behind. 
Not only is he now the one that doesn't have a girlfriend, he's the one that doesn't have a successful business. He doesn't have his own plane. He doesn't have a gold mine. He's got you know, a stupid sex doll business that's losing money. For Todd, nothing is worse than losing to Tim. And he takes his anger out on anyone in his path. Todd's life spiraled down. He became increasingly violent. He had a big fight with his mother, Roberta. He smashed her in the face, gave her a black eye. She had to have her jaw rebuilt. Todd's only solace is the opposite sex. Todd's life was falling apart business-wise. He got together with a young divorcee called Rita Musgrave, and uh, they started going out and became engaged. But Todd continues to hemorrhage the family fortune. And there's only one person who thinks he can save him. Tim, at, at this point, is just desperate to save Todd. He's watching his brother spiral down the drain. He doesn't know what to do. So he gets this idea, I know I'll bring him back from Phoenix closer to me, where I can keep a better eye on him. Right now, it's too distant. Tim planned to set him up in business. And he arranged a business deal where Todd would swap his building in Phoenix for another building in Los Angeles, so he would be centered there. The night before he's about to leave for Los Angeles, Todd's fiance Rita breaks down in tears. Rita says to Todd, if you go to Los Angeles, you're probably never coming back to Phoenix. And Todd could never have known that her words would prove prophetic. Todd has been in Los Angeles for less than 24 hours. Tim has to go to a business meeting in San Diego. Todd drives him to the airstrip where he has his private plane, and Tim flies off to his meeting. In San Diego, Tim spends a few hours finalizing paperwork to transfer his brother's business interests from Phoenix to L.A. His next meeting is with his mother, Roberta. Now, at that time, Roberta's living in San Diego. So after the meeting, he and his mother have lunch, presumably over cocktails. After a few drinks, Roberta reveals a shocking piece of news. During the lunch, Roberta says, I know something you don't know. I know that Todd has taken out a $1 million life insurance policy on your life. Roberta believes Todd is going right, to murder so Tim straight. for the money. If I die, he makes a million dollars. Roberta, his mother, was very, very worried. And they actually spent four hours discussing this. But Tim isn't sure if Roberta is onto something or if she just wants to get back at Todd. Tim had told Roberta, he said, if he wants the million dollars, if he needs it that badly, maybe I should just crash my plane. After lunch, Tim heads back to Los Angeles. It's dark by the time Tim arrives back at the Baldwin Arms. He enters the apartment and hears Todd taking a shower. When Tim walked into Todd's room, Todd was dressing, getting ready to go out that night. And Tim said, where are you going? And Todd said, well, I'm going back to Phoenix. I'm, I'm out of Los Angeles. And Tim said, no, you're not. I don't want you to. But Todd doesn't budge. And he begins to get angry, very angry. 
they're shouting, they're yelling at one another. Both brothers were in the habit of keeping loaded weapons in the house. They'd grown up that way. They were accustomed to it. This is when they resort to the guns. This is when this all just goes tragically wrong. Remembering how he had a gun pulled on him in Phoenix, Tim went bound and grabbed a rifle. The twins meet again, eye to eye. But this time, the weapon is in Tim's hand. Only one twin will be alive by the end of the night. Trust fund twins Tim and Todd Nicholson have battled over women and money their entire short lives. But tonight, they've begun their final and fatal bout. They're shouting, they're yelling at one another. Both brothers were in the habit of keeping loaded weapons in the house. They'd grown up that way. They were accustomed to it. Tim thought that Todd was going for a gun and remembering how he had a gun pulled on him in Phoenix, he thinks, oh no, he's reaching for that gun. He's gonna kill me. Tim grabs a loaded 22. He fires a shot. Somehow, Tim misses. The bullet goes through the bed and into the floor. But Tim isn't finished. He had to reload for the other shot. And then he picked up the gun and he shot his brother through the heart. The twins share one final moment. He sees an expression on Todd's face. It's a sort of surprise on Todd's face, like, you did it. I can't believe you really did this. Tim told me he felt that his brother admired him for finally winning this battle and being the victor. This was, you know, 22 years of competing with his brother from being in the womb. This was the final thing. Two policemen arrive at the Baldwin Arms. They walk in. They find this young man crying. The young man just doesn't say anything. He just points to the bedroom. The killer and the victim are mirror images of one another. That's got to be quite a, a moment for a police officer. And it's quite a moment for Tim Nicholson as well. They arrest him. They take him to jail. And for the first time in his entire life, as he sits there in the jail cell, Tim is absolutely alone. Being alone is a completely foreign state for Tim. He can't stop talking to his twin. He's having conversations with Todd in his head. You know, Todd has just moved from that body into his. And now, two people share one body instead of one person sharing two. With all the hallmarks of a Greek tragedy, Tim's trial gets underway. Tim pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder. Tim's lawyers argue that the shooting was nothing more than a tragic accident. The idea of it being an accident would have been uh, you know, plausible, except for uh, Tim's initial statement that there had been an argument. One by one, a series of witnesses testify about the strange relationship of Tim and Todd Nicholson. The trial just brought out the 
incredible story of the Nicholson twins' lifestyle and competition and how they'd waged war on each other since the earliest days and how it had ended up with a gun. All the sensational aspects of their life is just fodder for the newspapers. Everything they ever did, everything about girlfriends, it was a nightmare. The packed courtroom hangs on every word. It was standing room only every day to hear the testimony. The American public were just riveted by this story as witness after witness gave new explosive details of it. And the trial reaches a fever pitch when Roberta finally takes the stand. The dramatic highlight of the trial was when Roberta took the stand and talked about how much she loved her boys. I missed them so, so much. Now, it's a very, very odd situation when you are both the mother of the victim and the killer. You can attend the trial, but which side of the room do you sit on? And Roberta sides with her one living son. The star witness was Roberta Nicholson, who said that Todd had a terrible, terrible temp, uncontrollable temper. He'd attacked her on occasions. He'd beaten up Tim. Everybody was scared of him. So the defense were really putting him on the stand. She helped Tim's defense a great deal by talking about how Todd was out of control and that if Tim hadn't shot Todd, it might have been the other way around. But the prosecution isn't buying a word of it. They were trying to establish that it was a deliberate homicide. They were trying to establish that Tim felt that some of his business dealings were threatened and did not want Todd to mess things up. And they have a dramatic witness of their own. One witness, Arthur Santini, got on the stand and said Tim had offered him $5,000 to murder his brother a few months before. Arthur Santini asserted Tim had approached him to take care of his brother, essentially to be a hitman. This threw a bit of a wrench into the defense. His testimony suggests that Todd's murder may have been premeditated. But under defense questioning, that changed, you know, to uh, 10,000 and 5,000. In the end, Santini is deemed to be a less than credible witness. And it turns out Todd hadn't actually gone through with his plans to take out a life insurance policy on Tim. When the trial finally ends after three long weeks, the jury must make a dramatic judgment. Was Todd's death an accident or a calculated plan to claim half of the inheritance once and for all? Six months to the day after the death of Todd, 22-year-old Tim Nicholson is found guilty of killing his identical twin brother. They convicted him of manslaughter, and uh, Tim ended up serving three years in jail. While he was in jail, one frequent visitor was Todd's girlfriend, Risa Musgrave, who came to visit him, and they fell in love. When he got out, they got married. So now, Tim was in possession of both halves of the hall, and he had Todd's girlfriend, making him officially the winner of the game of Monopoly. Tim and Todd lived fast, and one died young 
at the hand of his mirror image. It was a fate perhaps sealed at birth. The weirdness of two twins, one killing the other, was made for a movie. It's certainly fact is stranger than fiction. They never had a chance to grow beyond their twinness, to be recognized for their individual achievements. There was an excessive amount of money and privilege, and there was just too little love. Tim and Todd, throughout their life, they were always trying to break away from each other, but they'd always come back, and that was their life story. They couldn't break away. They were Tim and Todd, and they would be forever twins, you know. And the only way they could break away was death. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.